as eternal and joyful existence with God. Believers are promised, quote-unquote, an inheritance can that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. That's in 1 Peter 1.4. Inheriting the, quote-unquote, world to come is a guarantee for all those who belong to God's family. So if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you have that inheritance. Now, if you haven't, then you are you don't belong. You're not an heir, so you don't have inheritance, that inheritance that we're talking about here. The Apostle Paul employs the inheritance metaphor more than any other New Testament writer. For him, the object of the inheritance in, is the kingdom of God. He never states exactly what constitutes the believer's inheritance of the kingdom, but asserts emphatically that unbelievers will not inherit the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10, Galatians 5, 21, Ephesians 5, 5. The Bible is clear that inheriting eternal life is synonymous with entering the kingdom. At the judgment, the righteous will inherit the kingdom. That's Matthew 25, 34. But the wicked will be eternally tormented. Matthew 25, 46. The finality of the separation of those outside the family of God is clearly seen in their lack of share in God's inheritance. The concept of the believer's inheritance highlights the dignity of the family relationship of the believer in Christ. No higher or greater wealth can, can an individual acquire than to become an heir of God through faith in Christ. Somebody say amen. I don't know if you're convinced with that amen, but that is the truth. There is nothing here on earth that we can attain or God can bless us with that can match what we are inheriting, which is eternal life through Christ. So tonight, which is my goal every evening, as, I, as God gives me this permission and, and, and um, opportunity to, to, to share you, with you guys is to change your mind, to change the way you see life here, to improve. Now, if, if, if your, your mind has been changed, but to continue to improve and to sharpen your vision of who God is. And that's what we're going to try to do. So then the first point is in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4, it reads, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now what do we see here? We see here that God through Peter reveals to us that because of God the Father and His great mercy, He has given us His begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection defeating death we who have placed our faith on him now can actually inherit eternal life now i don't know again again there's the the, the excitement or the overwhelming of that truth you will not possess if your mind and your heart is very much entangled in this world can we just say that that's the truth what, what will make you excited about this? If, if your plan in your life is to go back to the Philippines and you retire there and that's where you're going to die. 
nothing about serving God. You'll serve God when you're back in the Philippines. You'll serve God when everything in your career is done. You've spent all your strength. You've spent all your strength, and, and now you have a little bit to contribute to God, and that's when you'll do it. Nothing about heaven will excite you because your vision, your vision, your mindset, and your life, you have poured everything for in, on what this life has to offer. Everything. There's really no convincing you that heaven is a place that you want to go to. That, that heaven is something to be excited with. Let me just give you a test. How many times to this week did you actually talk with your fellow Christians, your husbands or your children, about heaven? Did you actually walk into Burger King and say, Man, isn't that great? We're going to heaven if we die. Or did you walk into Burger King and say, Man, I wonder how many of these burgers I can eat. And then you walked out and you're full. How many, how many of us do, do we actually have that conversation and saying, you know, in heaven, we're not, never going to be hungry. Did you know that? And in heaven, we're never going to be hungry? Or this whole week while your body is hurting, how many times did you actually think, oh, you know, in heaven, there's no more pain? Well, we like pain, right? We like pain. We like to be hungry. We like, we like our plants. Don't we? No, of course not. We don't like pain. You know what we like? We like rewards. We like good things of life. That's what we like. We don't like suffering. We don't like hunger. We like to eat all the time. We like to party all the time. We love to travel all the time. We, need, we want to get all the things that our eyes can see. We want to get them. We want to have that power. And that power translates usually to money. Right? And in order for us to get money, we have to work. So again, when you go back, when you look into your life, when you look into that mirror, your spiritual mirror, you and you alone plus God can actually really do the assessment. That if, are you living for the promise that is, is coming? Is that your main focus or are you killing yourself for the life that's here and you're stressing yourself out? Because this is, if this isn't working out, you're going to be in despair, right? We talked about that last week. That if you place your hope in anyone else and on something else and on someone else other than God, you will be in despair. Because your husband will disappoint you. Your wife will disappoint you. Your children will disappoint you. Your career. You will never get enough of your career. Because there's, it's an elusive thing. Because we're created, us new Christians, us Christians, we're new creations. We're a new being. What we actually crave for, what we're actually looking for, is God. God is the only one that will fill the hole in our hearts. The sooner you can get that and understand that and accept that, the sooner your life will be much fruitful. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then Paul, everybody has the, on our shirts, right? Paul in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We use that verse to, to, to make free throws. We use that verse to, to make our, success, our business successful. But that verse is about contentment. 
the whole context, the, fruit, the true and real context of why Paul said that is that he has lived having plenty and he has lived being in need, but yet he can be content in all these things, whether in, 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 in plenty or in, in lack, that he can be content through Christ who strengthens him. Now we go back to the inheritance, the inheritance of heaven. Now, you know, in Ephesians 18, 1, 18, there's two school of thoughts there. One, one group says that the, when, when Paul mentioned inheritance, the inheritance means our inheritance from God. And the other school of thought is they're saying that, that we are God's inheritance. That's why we have those two points this evening. But look at here on Psalm 73, 25 to 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? This is, this is a great song. I was hoping that you guys could also sing this. And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Whom have I in heaven but you? Now, the psalmist knows that the most important thing for him in heaven, folks, if I can have your attention here, the psalmist knows that the most important thing for him in heaven isn't the place alone, isn't heaven itself, but God. God is what truly is more important to the psalmist than heaven. Is that what you're seeing there? Whom have I in heaven but you? That, that, that's Christianity. That's real Christianity. The more you get to know who God is, the more you should fall in love with Him. You know, the unfortunate thing is this. I'm saying unfortunate because it's going to be a big struggle. It's painful. It's painful. Because the more we get to know God, the more we, the more we learn about the Bible, we learn this. We are told to deny ourselves. To deny our sinful nature. To deny our selfish selves. To deny ourselves of what? Of what this world has to offer. There's many things this world has to offer us. Many. Many that is not going to be fruitful. Let me just add that in. All these things, like for the single people here, you could probably have premarital sex. Because the world doesn't tell you to get married anymore. The world's very acceptable of it. But the Bible, if you're a Christian, the Bible says that you are not to commit that act outside marriage. Or else you won't have the blessing of God. And who is to suffer? You. The Bible says that, and the world says differently. And then now you're a Christian, what are you supposed to do? You are to deny yourself. You are to deny yourself of that quick pleasure. Of that temporary pleasure. Yes, it will feel good. Temporarily. And then you will be miserable because you have the Holy Spirit in you and you are dampening the Spirit whenever you sin against God. When you have sinned against God, you very well know what it feels. You have probably deafened Him by not coming to church anymore. You have probably ignored Him by not reading your Bible anymore. And you probably just use God for, Lord, please protect me, even though I'm doing stupid things against you, Lord. I thank you for your grace. And in Jesus' mighty name. There's, the more you get to know who God is, it doesn't even matter what is happening with your life. 
Look at what the psalmist says. What have I in heaven but you? Heaven is the place of no more hunger, no more pain, no more tears. It's the place that, that is full completion. It's a place of, of full relief from the painful world. But yet he, the psalmist, even discounts being in heaven because what matters to him is being with God himself. Now you look at yourself and then you wonder, you have to examine yourself. What truly, where do I get my peace from? When am I really peaceful? Is it when I have money in the bank? Or, when, or is it because I have God? When are you really peaceful? When you're in a relationship with someone else and you're no longer lonely? Or is it when you're, you're right with the Lord? When are you peaceful? When are you happy? When things are going well with your family? Or when you're right with God? What excites you during the week? Is it, is it the temporary things of this world? Or is it, is it going down on your knees, reading the word, praying to God, and then coming to church? Folks, this is an exercise. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord, this Sundays is an exercise for what we're going to be doing in heaven. I can see some disappointed faces right now. <laughs> but yes, yes, in heaven there's going to be a lot of church. A lot of church, a lot of singing. Paul's going to preach. Amen. Right? And we can't die there anymore. He can't kill us anymore. because He killed somebody, right? But then he resurrected him. So if you're falling asleep with my one hour preaching, man, you got eternity to practice. You have for eternity to practice. But we got better preachers there. We probably got better effects there. But this is, a, this is, a, this is practice. Us living together. Us us loving each other, us helping each other, this is a practice, this is a taste of what is to come. Now, it, it probably doesn't excite you as, as much as if I tell you, hey, I got you tickets for the All-Star game, court sides. Then you're probably like, oh man, thank you. But I'm talking to you about heaven, you're like, okay, next topic, next slide. The psalmist knows what was the most important thing to him, and it's God. Remember this one? Remember, remember Moses when they got out of, the, of Egypt and they were journeying through the desert? And they were facing many trials, right? Many, many, many problems. And then Moses was talking to God. And God said, oh, Moses said, if you, if your presence does not go with us. Do not send us up from there, from here. Moses got it. Moses got it. Same with the psalmist. Same with Paul. And that's what we're trying. Well, that's that's my prayer for you folks. Is that we need to get it. That if you have God, you have everything. Now, if you don't have God, then that's when you need to worry. Because your eternity is not secured. You don't have the inheritance of heaven. What is 70 years compared to eternity, guys? What is 91 years old compared to eternity? What is, for me, 43 years of, of suffering compared to... <laughs> suffering and drama. 43 years... Of, of trials and, 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 and hardships in life, right? Compared to eternity in, in heaven with the Lord. But despite the challenges, Paul, we all know Paul, right? 
He doesn't care. So long as he has Christ with him, he doesn't care what his situation is. Maybe because you haven't really made God your everything. I have a sneaky suspicion that, that that's it. Because if you are a new creation, created in Christ Jesus, the only thing that will truly fill you and, and give you true fulfillment is Jesus himself. Now, if you're not living, if you're not obeying him, you're far from him. You're not, you're not going to mature in the faith. You're going to be stuck on that step where you are in. And you're going to be lied to by the world. The world's going to try to keep you busy. Right? That's what the world is good at. That's what the enemy is good at. He is good in throwing us, making us busy, making us think we're productive. But we're really not productive with the Lord. Where was I? One terrible feeling or experiences to have, and there are plenty. Uh, but here is one that I believe that makes the list. Is the feeling of being used. Have you felt that? A feeling of being used? Just imagine, imagine, okay? If you don't have a, a good-looking sibling, just imagine that you do. Imagine that you have a good-looking sibling. And then your friends, because they can't get to your brother, they befriend you. Or the people at school. They befriend you so that they can get with your brother. They get to know your brother. Right? Only for you to find out that... They, I mean, what kind of feeling is that? When you finally find out that, man, they just... They just befriended me so they can hook up with my brother. How rude. Did you know that that's kind of how Jesus feels? That's what we're making Jesus feel when we're just using him so that we can have our inheritance. When we accept Christ so that we can have heaven, but we're really not interested with him. That's Kind of like the feeling of being used. Don't you agree? So I'm not trying to make you feel bad. <laughs> if that is what how your life has been. But it's time for us to actually reset. To, to finally get to that point and say, Lord, I want to be interested with you. I accepted you as my Lord. You have given me. You have made me an heir. Now I can inherit heaven. Lord, I want to get to know more of you. And I actually want to live my life for you. Don't you agree? Because you, 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 you'll get into another relationship. And guess what? That relationship is going to give you headaches. I guarantee it. Everyone wants to take a bet. I placed a bet last week. I'm placing a bet again tonight. <laughs> I'm gambling. <laughs> Now there's there here's the application. Here here's the application. There's a is the vision of heaven for you? Is the vision of heaven for you only a place of rest? Is is the vision of heaven for you a, a place of no more pain, no more misery? Which is true, right? But is the place of heaven for you still not the place where God is? And is in that thought, does it not excite you? 
because you have so much to do in this world. There's still so much for you to do, especially for the young people. Is there is is, is the 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 allure of life still very much more attractive to you? The success of life of the world is 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 trying to give rather than than being with God in heaven or trying to know Jesus Christ at the hundred percent. You know, uh, every year, I don't know, I don't think they had it this year, but every year there's this Reno Tahoe Open Golf Invitational, correct? And I know, I know um, Jeff and, and some of our buddies, uh, they go there. They go there to watch uh, Michael Jordan when he's there, if he's playing, sometimes Steph Curry. You know, NBA players, basketball players to play golf, some, some NFL players. And they would stand there under the sun, you know? Just watching, just to get a glimpse of their favorite player. Under the heat, walking, cramping, getting hungry. But they don't care. They're happy. Because they're, they're in the same place as their hero. Right? They're in the same place. And, and they have this, this inner joy, fulfillment. Just because they're right next. They were like eye to eye with Michael Jordan. They were like almost elbow to elbow. Is it... If you imagine that somebody, somebody that you truly love, a celebrity, right? Think about that, and then how your heart is jumping with excitement, and your mind's just like, "Wow, I, I love, I would love that." Do you have that same sensation and thoughts and heart jumping when it comes to God, or no? More about Pacquiao, Pacquiao, God. You, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from you. Our second point: We are God's inheritance. Now, this is this is one of the most mind-boggling thing to me. We are God's inheritance. Now, what do you give someone who has everything? That's a line you use to a girl, right? With a girl, what do I give to a girl who has everything? <laughs> you used it. <laughs> You, you can't. It's hard, right? You, it's hard for you to imagine what to give a person who you think has everything. They have jewelry. They have cologne. They have perfume. They have a card. What do you give them? And what do they act, usually answer? Answer you. you. Just be with me. Just come to my party. What do I need to bring? You don't have to bring anything. Just bring yourself. Right? You have, you have your friends, or you're probably that friend. But look at, for God, we are His inheritance. Look at Psalm 28.9. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. 79.1. Oh God, the nations have invaded your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have reduced Jerusalem to rubble. Folks, do you see yourself as God's inheritance? Because that's how He sees us. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you are now an heir and you have inheritance and He sees you as His treasure. He sees you as His treasure. You guys know the late Earl Woods, the dad of Tiger Woods? Um, he's going to have this docu. And I was preparing, looking for application, you know, examples. I saw this, and I know it was God giving it to me. 
This is Earl Woods introducing his son, Tiger Woods, in one of the news conference, okay? This is him. He said, please forgive me, but sometimes I get very emotional when I talk about my son. Earl Woods says in the trailer, he will transcend this game and bring to the world a, a humanitarianism which has never been known before. This is my treasure. Please accept it and use it wisely. That's how he described and introduced his son. You know, every loving parent sees their children as their treasure, whether the children like it or not. Right? Every parent sees their children as their treasure, as their inheritance, as their legacy. Now there's, there's this verse in Matthew 13, 44, the, the, the parable that Jesus used here. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all, sold all he had and bought that field. You know, as saints, we're God's inheritance. We are his treasure. We are his prize. I hope you're hearing me. I hope you guys are listening to me. In Jesus' day, men would bury their treasure in the field for safekeeping. But if a man died before he could tell someone where his treasure was buried, it would be left in the field until someone stumbled upon it. Such as in the case here in the parable that Jesus, Jesus shared. One day, a man is walking through a field and trips over something. He brushes the dirt and discovers it's a treasure. So what does he do? He does everything he can to buy the field in which the treasure is buried. Now the question, did the man buy it because he loved the field? Because he, whoa, man, this is 60 acres. Let me buy this field. No, he didn't buy it because he, anything about, he had nothing to do with the field. He bought it because of the treasure. Now Jesus said, that the way that's that's the way the kingdom is. The field is the world, folks. The field where the treasure was buried is the world we live in. God the Father gave the world to Adam. But when Adam sinned, he inadvertently handed the world to Satan. That is why there is rape, famine, pollution, corruption, stealing election and death on our planet. Jesus came to buy the world. Sorry, what was this? There's like something appeared and it got, it got stolen. Jesus came to buy the world back by him sacrificing his life through the cross. Why? Why? Because he wants to hang out in the beach in Barakai. No, 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 no. Why? Why did God buy the world back? Because he wants to surf in Lake Tahoe. No. God, was, God is not interested in the world. He bought the world to get the treasure. He bought the world to get you. He bought the world to get you. If you have accepted Christ, if you have not accepted Christ and you're hearing this message, He bought the world to get you. He came down from heaven, took the form of man, died the most horrible death on record 
so that you can be with him. Now I know this, the message is too heavy, and I always it always helps if I bring I bring Bong the cigarette vendor in. So Bong the cigarette vendor once again came into play here. A Texas sheriff was looking for some Filipinos who rob robs a couple of banks in Texas. A couple of Filipino guys, and and the, the Texas sheriff went to look for Bong to be his interpreter. Texas guy. Found the Filipinos in Mexico, and the sheriff goes with the gun on the head of the one, one of the Filipino guys. He goes, tell him to tell me where the treasure is. So Bong translated in Filipino, tell him where the treasure is. So the guy, you know, the guy said, oh my gosh, is he really going to kill me? He asked Bong. Bong said, yeah, he's really going to kill you. In Tagalog, okay. So the, the guy said, okay, okay, okay. Tell him the treasure is around this building. There's a trash bin there, and underneath that, there's a bag, and underneath that bag, there's a hole, and that's where the treasure is. And, and then Bong goes, how much is in there? About $2 million. And then the sheriff goes, what do he say? He goes, shoot, shoot him. <laughs> I don't know if that was the right joke to give here. Sometimes we don't know. The, the biggest error in the Christian life is this. Is that we don't know what we have, folks. We don't know what we have with God. We've taken Him for granted. We, we've taken the thought of heaven for granted. Again, how many times did you talk about it this week? I, my brother Edgar and I had, were, and, and Deacon Nori, the next day, Deacon Australia, were, we... We were given an opportunity to share the gospel to somebody that God was going to take a day after we shared the gospel to. Isn't that amazing? That's how good God is. If you guys love the last second shots of NBA games, man, this ha that has nothing compared to this. When, when God saves a person at his deathbed, hours before God will take him for eternity, and the person accepts Christ, person accepted Christ hours before that that's amazing folks maybe you need to start sharing the gospel so you will understand what you have again maybe you need to start studying again what the gospel is maybe you need to start looking on what heaven is again so that you will appreciate what you have to Christ this is going to be our final application is a verse but it's a perfect application remember the prodigal son this the parable of the prodigal son right the prodigal son let's read it when he came to his senses the prodigal son he said how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death I will set out and go back to my father and say to him father I have sinned against heaven and against you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. 
the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. For he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The treasure to the father was his son. The son who treated him as if he were dead. Remember the whole story? Father, I'm going to treat you as if you were dead. Give me my inheritance. He got his money. He parted his tail off. He went to Vegas. He squandered everything. Then when he was dead, broke, he wanted to go back. And even because the son could, did not feel worthy of his dad anymore, that he was willing to be just one of his employees, the father was not going to have any of it. The father came running to him. Meaning, the picture of that is the father was waiting every day for his son to come back. And then for him to run in the Middle Eastern culture, men were not supposed to run, especially to a son that offended you that much. But he took on all of the embarrassment because you know how they're wearing that long skirt, seems like, or the robe. When they run, their legs will show, their skin will show, and that's embarrassing. But the father didn't care. The father didn't care. You know, if this was a Filipino dad, this, I'm telling you, let me just share you a quick version of this. A Filipino dad will just be standing by the door. Mm-hmm. I knew it. And then the son will come. The dad's, the dad's head go out like this. Who are you? That's what the father would do in our culture. Maybe some moms too. You know what? Rightfully so. Because that was a very disrespectful thing that the son did. But the father in this parable, like God our father, he came running. He came running. He was not going to have any of it. No, you're not going to be my employee. Put on the robe showing, showing to, that he belongs to his family. And then the ring showing inheritance. Imagine. The Filipino dad will like, here, this is how much you owe me. With interest. Okay? Pay me. Folks, God came down on earth so that he can rescue us. So he can have us as his treasure because he sees us as his treasure. That we are his inheritance as much as he is our inheritance. I'll give you one last thing. You know there is this guy uh, when Lou Little was coaching football at Georgetown, he had a player who was definitely third rate. But had so much spirit, he was an inspiration to the team. He, re he rarely saw action except in the last few minutes of a game that was already decided. One day, news came that the boy's father had died. Okay, The football player's dad died. The youngster came to Coach Little and said, Coach, I want to ask something of you that means an awful lot to me. I want to start the game against Fordham. I think that's what my father would have liked most. 
my, mind you, the, the dad died already. Little Coach Little was a little hesitant, but he said, okay, son, you'll start, but you'll only be in there for a play or two. You aren't quite good enough, and you know it. The boy started the game and played so well. Coach Little never took him out. He played inspired, and he inspired the team to victory. Back in the locker room, Coach Little embraced the young man and said, Son, you were terrific. You never played that way before. What got into you? Is it because your dad died? The boy answered, Remember how my father and I used to walk around arm in arm? There was something about him and very few people knew. He was blind. This afternoon was the first time my father ever saw me play. Imagine that kind of relationship. The father, the father's inheritance was the son. That even though he was blind, he will go to his son's game. Every game. Even he can see it. Even though he couldn't see it, he'll be there. Because he knows his son is there, part of the team. And then the son knows his dad's dead, but he never got to watch him. Now he really, he played his heart out. Folks, that's the kind of relationship we need to really groom and get into. We need to get our hearts connected with God that way. We need to, we need to see Him so important in our lives because that's how He sees us. We are His treasure, folks. I pray that you will see that and be enlightened with that. Same as Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know that the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. God in his amazing love for us sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. David's psalm, in Psalm 17, David wrote, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love. You who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. The incredible, amazing love of God sees you and me as his treasure. To a point that he gave his son as payment for our sins against him. So that he can redeem us from our offenses against him. What else do you need, believer? What else do you need, believer, to really see God as your treasure? And to also put value in you as much as he puts value on you. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for your message for us this evening. Father, help us to receive it, help us to retain it, and help us, Lord God, to live it out. May you continue to renew our hearts and our minds and have you as our focus, our main driving motivation. Let your love for us and how much you have done and continue to do for us continue to just overwhelm us. Thank you for seeing us as your inheritance as your treasure. Father, let that sink deep in our hearts. Let that sink deep in our souls. 
that it will produce the fruit of us seeing you as our biggest and most important inheritance of all, you as our Father. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we made other things and other people in this world more important than you. Help us, Lord God, to live differently. Help us to see it differently. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.